0: Hey, this is Steve Olsher, and we've gone through the archives to find some of our favorite episodes from over the years of Reinvention Radio. We've been doing this a long time. As a matter of fact, we released our first episode of Reinvention Radio in 2009, and we've sat down with literally hundreds of people over the years, and we decided, you know what? Let's find some of our favorites, and we're going to re-release them as Reinvention Radio Classics. Hope you enjoy it.
1: This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Ulsher.
0: Hey guys, welcome to a very special episode of Reinvention Radio here with the one and only Mr. Simon Sinek. This episode is brought to you by The Mortar Blog. Perhaps you've heard that apartment buildings can be a great investment, and done right, well absolutely. Investing in multifamily real estate can provide a nest egg for retirement, and it could even set you free from the 9-to-5 corporate grind. But getting started is hard! Wouldn't you like to learn how it's done right from the pros? Of course you would, so check out The Mortar, where professional investor Jonathan Twombly will share his insider tips and strategies, and it's all free! So just subscribe to The Mortar. That's themortarblog.com. The Mortar. It's what holds the bricks together. And now on to our special episode here of Reinvention Radio with Mr. Start With Why, with Mr. I Have the Third Most Popular TED Talk of All Time with 25 odd plus million views. Again, the man himself, Simon Sinek. Let's get to it. Awesome, awesome, awesome having Simon Sinek here today for a very, very special episode uh, of Reinvention Radio. And, uh, you know, as with all good things and technology in that world in that arena, it uh, gave us a little bit of bugs there, man, but we worked through it. So thanks for your patience on that. Is this the, uh, is this the first blab
1: you're actually doing? It, for me, yes.
0: All right. Yay. See, we make we make Simon cynic history. Awesome, man. So very cool. Otherwise thanks for it all <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. You know, it's funny. I was thinking I was telling Rich before this. I was like, man, you know, I just I so hope technology cooperates and you just you just absolutely never know. But uh, thanks for. Thanks for sticking with us, man. So, look, obviously, uh, you know, your book, your your philosophies, what you've been doing, man, have been absolute game changers uh, in the world of, of business and even from, uh, from an individual perspective. I mean, talk to me first about how this, the whole thing came about. Was this just an idea that you had been toying with? Where, where did the whole concept of the Golden Circle and the whole start with why sort of initiative come from?
1: Um, like any idea um it was an evolution and it was also born out of uh, personal need um it wasn't an academic or professional exercise um commercial exercise um i was always curious why some marketing worked and some marketing didn't i was a marketing guy and um i looked at the order that great marketers marketed and it and it was based on this why how what thing and i put it on a shelf and it sort of was good for powerpoints and then i went through this personal crisis where i'd lost my passion for what i was doing and it was sort of a really dark period for me. I think a lot of entrepreneurs at some point go through it. Um, and the question is, can you get through it? And really all of my energy went into pretending that I was happier, more successful, and more in control than I felt. Mm. And I was also very embarrassed by this feeling because um, superficially everything was good, right? I owned my own business, I made an okay living, we had amazing clients. And so I didn't want to complain that I didn't want to wake up and do it again the next day. So I kept, I kept those feelings to myself. Um, and like I yeah. said, all of the energy I had when I attending and I was more control than I felt. Um, and uh, it was it was a confluence of events. The, I, I met somebody who started telling me about the way the human brain worked and um, I started putting pieces together and realizing there was this pattern and I realized I knew what I did and I knew how I did it, but I didn't know why. So that's where it came from. It came out of personal need. It was born out of struggle. <laughs>
0: and do you mind talking a little bit about that in terms of because on the surface man for those who don't know your story I mean they would think Jesus this guy's got it all together I mean you know t- 24 million views on the TED talk I mean you've got clients coming out the wazoo you know you get paid significantly to speak what was going on at that point in time was it was it a failing business was it a failing relationship I mean what was kind of putting you in that dark place if you don't mind sharing
1: yeah it's okay I um- my business was. Str- I don't know. If it, I would say. I, I mean, my business was struggling as a result of me struggling. Um, um, it wasn't market problems, or you know, it's that I, I didn't know how to run a business, and um, I would go to these events like so many people do, you know, where they for entrepreneurs that they teach you everything and they have all these famous speakers and all of that. I went to these events, and it actually made it worse because everything that the speakers were telling me that I have to do, um, I wasn't doing. So all it, instead of me learning, all I did was hear all the things that I wasn't doing. It actually made the feeling a lot worse. Um, and it really took a friend of mine coming to me and saying, I'm worried about you. that gave me the courage to, to attack the problem. Um, it's one of the things I've learned now and in, in even writing the second book, um, is we're not good at doing things by ourselves. We're social animals. And the stuff works a hell of a lot better when you have support from a friend or you know and same with businesses you know when when people come up to me and ask me to invest in businesses or want me to serve on boards or things i i, I don't like in, uh, investing in businesses that have one one um person in charge mm. um because you can be a visionary you can be an operator but it's really hard to be both yeah, yeah. and uh, best businesses tend to be two there's a visionary and there's an operator yeah. um uh, you know, an operator can run a decent business, but it'll never be gangbusters. A visionary can, could have an amazing business if only they knew how to build it. Yeah.
0: And so the story behind how you actually ended up with the TED Talk is pretty interesting. I mean, basically, they didn't even, it, it wasn't like they came to you first. I mean, it was almost like a friend basically just stepped in and said, you know, hey, this is the guy that you should be talking to. So, I mean, when you think back on that moment, it was kind of like that that weird little fork in the road that your friend had, right? I mean, where they were just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Or, let Simon go ahead and do this. This is somebody that you really should have on the stage. So, can you
1: imagine? Um, is that I, I, take yeah, us through I, that? I had already been, sure, I had already been given the start with why talk for about three years prior to the TED talk. Okay, um, and even that whole evolution was an accident. You know, I never set out to be a public speaker, any of that stuff, or I've always been a behind the scenes guy. It's kind of weird for me to be in the front, and um, uh, um. And, and I, people just kept inviting me to talk about this thing, and I just kept saying, yes, it started with my friends. I would literally start talking in someone's apartment. Um, and uh, people just kept inviting me, and I just kept saying yes. And so word got around in the entrepreneur world, and somebody invited me to speak at a TEDx event. Um, I already had a bit of a, a reputation in, in the in the entrepreneur world. So uh, yeah. But yeah, the fact that I it on TED.com, I found out the week could happened
0: yeah that's that's amazing. And so think about just kind of what that time period was like for you. You went on, you did the TED talk. I mean, you couldn't have had any I mean, even inkling that things were gonna go the way that they went. what What year did that come out? Two 2000- thousand? 10 12
1: 9 yeah yeah i knew it was early i did the talk in 2009 they put it on ted.com in may of uh 2010 2010.
0: and from a viral perspective i mean did you have anything to do with that no No. it's just yeah so why do you think it went so viral man because obviously there's a lot of really Um, good ted talks out there but why i mean why are you still in the top three in your mind
1: i think it's because it's it's real you know it it wasn't me wanting something from anybody and it wasn't me trying to prove anything to anybody you know i was telling the story based on my own experience and i knew it resonated with people because it resonated with me and it resonated with my friends um my friend charlie kim has this test which is if two people find something interesting then you have a thing you know if you're going around trying to convince everybody and everybody goes nah it's not a thing then it's not a thing yeah um but, uh, but it was deeply personal and it still is and it really matters to me. Um, so that, I think the reason why it, it resonated and what's so funny is that TED talk is so imperfect. You know, the audio quality is terrible. The video quality is, per- is terrible. My microphone breaks as I'm speaking, they're changing up my microphone in the middle. And so I always remind people that when they get all stressed out, when they have these things, the PowerPoint's not gonna work perfectly. I'm like, look, everything went wrong on my talk and it still made it to number two. Uh, on ted.com so it's fine The, the message matters you know yeah
0: yeah, you know, and it's interesting, too, because one of uh, one, one of my favorite expressions that a partner of mine has, he says that version one is always going to be better, better than version none. You know, and I think a lot of people get kind of hung up in in that whole world of, of perfectionism. As you look back on sort of the things that you've done, I mean, uh, from a career perspective, has it always been kind of when you just jump into the mix of whatever it is and kind of forget about the need for the safety net that the magic has truly happened for you? I mean, talk a little bit about sort of the connection between when you think about the outcome versus just simply doing it for the sake of doing it.
1: Um, I mean, look, there's a difference between jumping out of a plane with a parachute and jumping out of a plane, right? Um, So I I, I don't believe that you just jump. Um, I do believe that you have the confidence that when you jump, that something will happen. Um, there's no guarantee, and the risk is still huge. You still have to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Um, uh, but but if you if you sort of if you believe in your vision and other people believe in your vision and um, and there there is um, and there are people who are willing to make sacrifices with you to see that your your vision comes to life. Um, then jump. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe in 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 blind risk. I think you know. That that's ridiculous, and 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 the daredevilness. Sometimes daredevils do have success, but eventually they die, you know, um, or they die young. I should mm. say, uh, mm-hmm. devils don't live very long. Mm-hmm. And so, I, 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 I. It's not that I believe in analysis paralysis at all. There's a point at which you have to you have to shift, as Seth Godin says. You know, you got to put up or shut up. Um, yeah. But you have to have a, a deep belief in what you're doing. It, it, like your gut is telling you, do this, do this, do this. You know, and the fear comes from. The rational side. If the if the fear is in your gut, you shouldn't be doing it. The fear should be rational. The fear should be, well, I could lose all my money. I could lose all my everything. I, if the fear is rational, then, but your gut is telling you to do it. I say do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if, um, I know that well, we've never met, so this is the first time we're meeting. So, I mean, I really do appreciate you taking the time and, and being here, uh, today's, you know, obviously on this uh, special episode here, we mentioned radio, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm not even sure if you're familiar with, or if you have had a chance to do any research into who I am and what I've done, um, is since around that same time, 2008, 2009, albeit, I don't have a Ted talk with 24 million views, but that's a whole other conversation, but you know, it's, uh, it's something that I've been teaching around the whole concept of what is your what so the book that i put on the new york times bestseller look is called what is your what discover the one amazing thing you were born to do and i always get that question of what's the difference between your what and your why And maybe you can kind of give me some insight in terms of how this resonates for you. But your what to me is really that it's how you're naturally wired to excel. I mean, your DNA is wired to excel in a very specific way. And so the what is your what equation combines your core gift, which in your case is probably communication or teaching or something of that nature, with the vehicle that you use to share that gift And then lastly, the people that you're most compelled to serve. So it's the gifts, the vehicle, and the people that comprise the what is your what equation. And I believe that it is really, really hard to create anything that is sustainable or that doesn't have an expiration date unless you're super clear on what your what is. And so it's almost as if the what is internal in my way of thinking and the why is external. And that's how I explain it, which is the why is what drives you. It's like, you know, if you want to help starving Children in Africa, or if you want to, um, you know, basically feed, you know, the homeless. Or I'm kind of stuck on this food thing. I guess I'm hungry this morning. But you know, the point is, it's what drives you to do what you do. Whereas your what is everything that's internal and kind of gives you that natural set of skills, abilities, what's in your DNA, etc. A- any take on the what versus why, as I explain it in that way? Semantic semantic yeah so do you think that the why is an internal thing as well what's that do you you think that the why is an internal thing as well in other words i believe that the what i believe that your what chooses you it's not something that you choose right so it's chosen you it's not that what you choose chosen
1: antics i mean it's a semantic debate it's like i got tired of having the discussion with people what comes first vision or mission or positioning or brand you know because it's a, it's, a, it's a semantic debate. And so I asked people who believe vision was primary, and they said, well, it's why we do what we do. And I asked people who believe mission was primary, and they said, well, it's why we get out of bed in the morning. And I asked people who believe brand came first. They said, well, it's why we exist. I said, okay, well, let's call it the why. We can all agree. Um, because I just got tired of semantic debates. And yeah. So this is another semantic debate. I mean, what I've learned is that the, the why is based on our upbringing. It's who we are, it's what drives us. It's what inspires us. It's not changeable. You have one, and it's fully formed by the time you're 18 or 19, and it's 100% based on the biology of human decision-making. What we do is measurable and calculable, and you can see it and touch it, and it's tangible. If you want to reverse the definitions for a a, a different model, that's fine. Um, But it sounds like what you're describing is the same thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So Annie has a question, and what her question
1: is: Does he, he, there's a couple of questions? Can I take a couple of questions, please, from the audience?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, and that's uh, what I was going to read off to you here, unless you uh, unless you can just see the feed and you want to just answer them directly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless so, here's one: uh, How do you, from S talk Ginger? How do you find someone with the same vision or attitude? Um, I said, you know, you want to attract people who believe what you believe and find people who believe in your cause. Um, Well, the way you find them is you start talking, you know, we're social animals. And if if you keep all your ideas to yourself, then how will anyone know what you stand for, what you believe, you know? Um, And so when I started talking about the why literally um, was every conversation when somebody says, so what are you up to? I would tell them about the Golden Circle and I'd get together with old friends and old clients and they'd say, what are you up to? And I'd start drawing on napkins. I mean, it was an obsession. It still is, you know, Um, I couldn't I couldn't not talk about it because I was so amazed by it. And I was a, a student of it. I wanted to keep learning and I wanted to keep talking about it so that I could take more. And the more I talked about it, the more other people said, this is really interesting. And people said, I need you to meet somebody. And the more I talked about it, the more introductions other people made. And so my publisher, the TED talk, everything came from somebody else saying, I want you to meet somebody. Um, and mm-hmm. so the only thing I I um, committed myself to was being the clearest, brightest lighthouse lighthouse I could be. I would practice articulating and communicating my message my message in words so clearly that other people could repeat it without me being there. Mm-hmm. I made the decision not to trademark everything. You know what's that going to do? All it means is I'm the only person who can can use it and talk about it. I wanted mm-hmm. it to be um open source i wanted other people to take it and build upon it i believe believe desperately in the spreading of the message and everything i said and everything i did and every decision i made communicated what i believed there's no mistaking when you read my books listen to my talks visit our website anything that comes out of us it's committed to the inspiration of people around us right there's no mistaking um yeah. and so if you want to attract people You've got to be a lighthouse. You've got to talk and talk and talk, and it will be cumbersome at the start, and people won't know what you're talking about the first 50 or 100 times. But if you believe in it, you practice and practice and practice and practice. When I first started talking about this stuff, people looked at me like I had three heads, you know? Yeah. So that's how you find people who believe what you believe. Yep. You, know, you you become a lighthouse and they'll be drawn to you.
0: Just out of curiosity, when you go back to the sort of the inception of Star With Why, which I know you were doing in talks and you were doing things long before the book came out. Did you have a book deal in place? I mean, obviously you have a I mean, it was published, but I would think that no, it was not. So talk, can you talk a little about sort of the origination story then of the book?
1: It's the, it's, it's the same as the TED Talk. The TED Talk, somebody said, I'd be, remember, I'd been giving this talk for three years, right? In long form. I was out there talking, talking, spreading, spreading in small forums, 10 people, 15 people, 30 people, you know, making a thousand bucks, you know? Yeah. Sometimes nothing. I was just out there communicating, banging the drum. And somebody said, who, who knew, who, somebody had a friend who was putting on a TEDx event, recommended me, right? Um, same with the publisher. Somebody met me and introduced me to an editor who introduced me to her, their publisher, and I ended up having a meeting with Adrian Zackheim who is the god of business publishing, the original publisher from Good to Great, and Seth Godin's publisher, and, and Stan McChrystal's publisher and all that. And uh, we had a 29-minute meeting, and three days later, he offered me a book deal. Wow. But that happened... So in, in two thousand uh, late two thousand and eight, um, uh, the book and the TED talk came out simultaneously, and interestingly, the TED talk had no impact on the sale of the book. Yeah,
0: yeah. And in hindsight, do you think that that was the best deal you could have gotten? I mean, should you have held? I mean, you know, it's it's hard to have that crystal ball and kind of say it again.
1: Oh, man, this wasn't for the money. Yeah. So I, I, there were t- I met with two publishers, right? And I fell in love with one of them, with Adrian, right? He makes my ideas better. He pushes me like nobody else pushes me. Mm. And I decided I wanted to go, I wanted to work with this guy. And we didn't even offer it to the other publisher, right? Mm. I mean, they got very mad at me because they wanted to have their go. And my my reply was, well, what's the point? We're going to start a bidding war, right? I may get to the point where the publisher that I want says, too rich for me, I'm out, you know? Yeah. For what, so I can get a little more money on the front end? If it's a good book, you'll make all the money on the back end. Yeah. I wasn't in it for money. I was in it to spread a message, and I wanted to work with somebody who I liked and who seemed to care about me and my ideas and would push me in a way that I needed to be pushed. This, so hold out for yeah. what? The holdout is selfish, and you risk losing everything. Now, if you want to hold out and make more money, I don't judge you. Do it just wasn't my mo i was more interested in, in getting a message out
0: yeah so for the second book it, was that with the same publisher or did you end up going elsewhere same publisher yeah yeah it speaks to a lot to allegiance
1: i'll, 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 I'll go everywhere with him i don't you know it's not the it's not the company it's the it's the yeah. person yeah.
0: Yeah. And that obviously speaks to the power of relationships. And it also speaks, I mean, we talked about sort of the semantical differences between the why and the what and whatnot. We don't have to beat that, you know, beat that horse down. But obviously a big part of how you're naturally wired to excel, some of these issues like integrity, like authenticity, like credibility, et cetera, they either go <clears throat> excuse me, they either go hand in hand, you know, pretty much throughout your whole career, or you pick and choose and you find that your career and your relationships really then ebb and flow.
1: Hey, do you want a reputation of a person who squeezes for every dime, or do you want a reputation for honesty and integrity? Yeah, you know, you can have either one. Yeah, um, that's the one thing we're in total control of—is our own reputations. Yeah, um, other people control a lot of other things, but our reputations are on us. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the money, the the money comes if that you know, um, if you create demand for something, people are willing to pay for it. But but you have to believe in what you're creating demand for, otherwise it's it becomes it becomes a very very difficult and uninspiring game, and you'll run out of energy for that game. That 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 game is a hard game to play. Yeah. But there are other people who play a lot better than me. I just don't think I have the stomach for that game. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people who are a lot richer than me doing the same thing as me, and. I don't take as many pills as they do in the morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. Hey, let me ask you a question because Ani uh, has a question about the why specifically. What And the question is, did the why stay constant once you find it or can it modify over time?
1: Your why is fully formed by the time you're by 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, the youngest person I've done a why discovery with was 16 years old, 17 years, 17 years old. And it worked perfectly. Um And, uh, it's fully formed by that age and it never changes. Mm. And the rest of your life are simply opportunities to either live in balance with your why or not. And that's why knowing your why helps you make decisions whether you should or do, shouldn't do something or whether you should or shouldn't work with someone. You know, um, uh, I, I I liken it to, I I write about it in the book. I call it the celery test, right. Which is everyone's giving us good advice of what we should do. Right. And um you know, you go to a, a networking event or a dinner party and somebody says to you, you know what you need to build your business? You need to you need to you need to buy Oreo cookies. You need to eat Oreo cookies. That'll help you like you have no idea. And somebody else says to you, You know what you need? You need you need chocolate cake. And you know what somebody else says to you? You need you need soy milk. And you know what somebody else says to you? They said, You need celery. I made millions of dollars with celery, you gotta do it. And so you go to the supermarket and you buy everything. You buy celery and soy milk and Oreo cookies and you know, chocolate cake, because this is all the good advice you got from very successful people. Um, And the problem is nobody knows what you believe and you get, you may or may not get some value out of these things, but you're standing in line in the supermarket with all of these products in your your basket and everybody walking past, nobody knows what you stand for. But if you know your why, and let's say our why is to always be healthy and protect the health of our bodies, we get the same advice from everybody. The difference is we only buy celery and we only buy soy milk because those are the only two products that make sense Mm -hmm. and then when we're standing in line at the supermarket saying nothing and people walk past and see only celery and only soy milk in our baskets they can look at us and say hey you're healthy i am too in other words what we do to use a different word you know the the things we the things we say and the things we do that bring to life our cause prove what we believe so that others know what we believe Mm -hmm. and so the value of why is knowing it's a filter it's knowing which advice to follow because we're i've been through this as a struggling entrepreneur i remember you know people would give me good advice and i would follow it because it worked for them the problem was it didn't work for me yeah and so i felt stupid and i felt incapable and my self-confidence went into the toilet (laughs) because all of these successful people told me what to do and i couldn't do it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
1: But as soon as I used my filter, as soon as I understood why, I would dispense with the stuff that was no good for me, and I would glom onto the stuff that I knew would work for me. I made really huge decisions. So for example, I'm crap at implementation, right? Because I like big ideas, right? I, I, I get bored in, in the day to day, right? And so as a company policy, we don't do we well we do now because i have amazing people around me but when it was just me i stopped doing implementation because i sucked at it yeah i, I built these wonderful relationships, help people find their why and then when i got sucked in to be like a traditional consultant to do the implementation i destroyed the relationships because i did bad work <laughs> yeah. instead of feeling stupid about it i stopped doing it
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and people say, don't trust you i say i know so Let me work with one of your partners and i'll work with them and now i have an amazing group of people who work with me who we've gotten really good at it but they know to keep me out of it Mm -hmm. they're smart
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's obviously a lot about knowing your role knowing what you're good at knowing where that sort of you know that uh that area of flow is whatever you want to call it.
1: we'll do all of this stuff by accident you just called it flow right how do you turn on flow it kind of like how do you get in the groove you know how do you make sure you have an idea It's like, it's kind of lucky. You know, some days you have it and some days you don't. Some days everything seems to go beautifully and some days things seem to struggle even though you've worked on the same kind of thing a million times before. This is what the why does. It clarifies that so it's not a random experience and you can be in the flow many more times.
0: Mm hmm. Let me ask you a question just for those who are unfamiliar with what you meant. And I don't want to gloss over this because I think it's really important because those who are going, well, geez, you know, how how can he just kind of shirk the money? And, you know, this, you know, they're thinking like, what, w- why would he even do that? You talked about the back end. So for those who are unclear on what that means, that it's not the book that necessarily drives the, you know, the income, the success, whatever you want to call it. It's the back end for you. What is the de- the back end? What's your definition of it?
1: Okay, let's be clear. It's not about shirking the money. It's about what order does it go in, right? I'll give you an example. So, for example, I talk about the importance of people all the time, right? Did it, did it freeze? Did it pause? Can you still hear
0: me? Yeah, no, we're good. We're good.
1: I talk about the importance of people all the time, right? Every CEO on the planet agrees with me. Nobody has ever told me that I'm wrong, right? Everybody says people are important. The question is where on the list does it come? I can't tell you how many conferences i've been to where ceos are standing on the uh, you know speaking to their employees and they say here are our priorities for the new year number one growth number two shareholder value number three customers number four employees it's it's always on the list it's always on the list but i want to know where on the list and here's the example i would give you what if i told you my number one priority was growth and if i take care of my people then of course i'll achieve my financial goals or what have i told you my number one priority was my people and if i focus on them of course i'll achieve my financial goals which company you want to work for the first one or the second one the second one right it's so it's so obvious it's stupid exactly right and so it's not that money is unimportant it's that it comes second right it's that money is is the fuel that drives the organization it's not you, you you don't buy a car so you can have gas you buy gas so you can drive the car Right? Mm. The, the company, the vision, the where you're going, the destination, all of those things matter more than the gas in the car. But of course you need gas in the car, right? Yeah. But the car matters more than the gas.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the car comes first, I should The car comes first. First, you have to make sure the car is in working order, then you put gas in it. That's what money is. Money is fuel that makes a company move. You can invest in in D. you can buy you can invest in people you can invest in marketing you can you can use promotions you can you can do whatever you want to do with your money you can take more you can take more vacations so you're super relaxed you have big ideas it doesn't matter but it's fuel yeah. that makes them that makes the company go not the other way around. Yeah,
0: and so let's let's talk about that for a second because obviously, I mean, you've had tremendous success. I mean, your book is a constant in the top thousand of Amazon, and uh, you know, obviously ebbs and flows for years now. Your TED Talk crushes. You're an in-demand speaker. What what keeps the fire going for you at this point?
1: I'm driven by my cause, you know, to inspire people to do what inspires them. It hasn't it hasn't waned at all, um, and I have a vision. You know, whenever we talk, whenever any, when, whenever anybody says, "Simon, you're you know, you've done all of these things and all of this stuff," when I it's tip of the iceberg. I mean, I think about the vision that I have, and it's I have so much more work to do. You know, I have this vision of creating a world in which the vast majority of people wake up every single morning, inspired to go to work, feel safe when they're there, and feel fulfilled when they come home at the end of the day. I am way, way far away from success. Mm-hmm. And anything that I've achieved up until now are simply stepping stones that will help me get to where I need to go to. And I can't do it alone. I'm just a preacher. That's all I am. I'm just a guy who spreads ideas. I need people to follow the gospel and believe in the gospel. I need entrepreneurs and CEOs and and, and to to, to build companies based on this stuff. I need employees to demand that companies give this to them. That's why I do interviews like this. I want to talk to your audience. I want to talk to your entrepreneurs. I want to inspire them to build a business this way, which not only feels better, but amazingly, it's actually good for business. Yeah, for sure. Talk about—I
0: uh, mean—to get to the point that you've gotten to career-wise, have you had to sacrifice anything? Any uh, sort of any any casualties along the line here since two thousand nine, when everything really started to just blow up for you? Yeah, of course. Be real, man. What uh, talk? Because we all face
1: uh, it. You know, I made a I made a decision many years ago that I would commit myself to spreading this message, and I knew it would come at sacrifice to my yeah. to my personal life my yeah. social life. and it has you know I, I i had a lot of it's not that i had a lot of dysfunctional relationships i just didn't have relationships who'd want to go on a date with me you know i'd go on a date with a fantastic woman and i'd be like oh my god i had such a good time are you free in six weeks a date two that's not yeah i'm not capable yep. um yep. No, i got you i knew what i was getting into. i knew what i was getting into and uh my last book cost me two
0: relationships
1: mm-hmm. um but I knew what I was getting into, and the good news is I've worked hard for the past decade. This has been ten yeah. years, um, getting this message going. It has its own momentum now that I can now start to um, allow some of the momentum to go, and can and can now take some of the time and 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 foster a relationship that I, that I, that I knew that I was, I I missed out on.
0: Yeah, And do you certify people then in your process now to kind of keep this momentum going? How, how are you able to replicate and duplicate? I mean, you can only be one person in one place at one, at one time. So how are you looking then to expand that vision through others?
1: I have an amazing team that, that figures more of this stuff out than I can. You know, I'm still out there banging the drum. Um, I'm still out there writing books you know, I'm still I'm still the preacher, um, and and my team uh, are the priests who are building the church. Mm. And we have a y Discovery course, we have a certification course, we have a public speaking course now that we just launched. Um, uh, we have a partnership with EY with Ernst and Young, mm-hmm. um, where they're now taking a lot of the IP and they're helping develop product for entrepreneurs and big companies alike, um, both digital product and physical product, consulting product. Like we're doing all kinds of things and. And for me, it's partnerships. It's my own team, and and people who believe in us, and people who believe in this message who want to put their put their money where their mouth mm-hmm.
0: is, and
1: commit to help us build it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's folks out there who are working formally with us and
0: informally with us. Yeah, yeah. and if you guys are just uh, joining us here on, uh, on on Blab Live, now would be the time to ask your questions. So just go ahead and type them in there in the uh, in the send a message box or you can do the forward slash Q, uh, capital Q there on the left. You'll see that underneath the questions. And uh, we'll try to get to as many of the questions as, as possible here. Uh, one, one of the questions that just came up and maybe you saw it here, and I believe Lori actually had an interview with you a while back because she said uh, something to the extent of it's great to see that you still got that same fire since your interview with her in 2009. Uh, her question was, how large is your core team at this point? A dozen. A dozen people. Wow. Wow. So you've built, I mean, that's a hell of a machine, man. I mean, that is an actual machine. Now, did you ever want to get to that point of having a dozen people that really, I mean, are these all folks who look to you for a weekly paycheck or are these independent contractors that are commissionable only? Uh, how how far have you taken things?
1: um so only two people report to me um and so my my team that makes me work and helps me is just three mm. people uh, very small and then we have sort of a separate division that kim harrison runs that is everything i'm not involved in yeah. Sure. and and some of them full-time and some of them are, are part-time um uh, but there's a dozen people that make it work and it and it's it's she's the genius behind all this i'm i'm just the dancing
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> rick wants to know if uh, if the why is similar to joseph campbell's follow your bliss i mean i have a feeling it's a semantical sort of answer there but uh any thoughts on that yeah. sure
1: you, you know my ideas are uh, i don't believe that the idea is new it's thousands of years old um i think the coup if there is one is that i found a language that made those who need to listen listen you know, it's grounded in biology, and so when you hear things like, you know, follow your bliss, as true as it may be, that's off-putting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, how can you go into the CEO of a Fortune 1,000 company and be like, so what you need to do is build your company based on your bliss? You know, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, but uh, but it's it's but but words matter. Words yep. matter. You know, and and very often you find that we choose words that preach the converted and we think we're doing well because people who already agree with us tell us we're amazing and it's great and so right. The real trick is if you can go into a room and preach your message and somebody comes up to you afterwards to be like, you know, I think this stuff is usually hokey and stupid and and I was really cynical coming in here and let me tell you, this is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are the people. Those are the people that let you know that Mm -hmm. you're onto something. And those people, I'm always grateful for the believers but when I get one of the when I get one of the, uh, the skeptics, uh, I know that I'm on the right path.
0: Yeah, and so at this juncture, I mean, again, I'm sure it evolves to some extent over time, and is an, is an organic process. But at this juncture, how, how would you define your why when somebody asks what what yours is?
1: To inspire people to do what inspires them hasn't changed since I first discovered yeah. it. And then I'll share the vision that I just shared with you yeah, yeah, the world I want to create.
0: Yeah, simple enough. And one of the things that, uh, you know, Sonic kind of keeps coming up here, and, uh, and and rightly so. I mean, lots of people have, uh, you know, some various questions here, but it um, uh, seems to be a theme. One of the questions that, uh, that I had for you that uh, uh, Gerald has here as well is, is talk about legacy. When you think about your legacy, what, what is that legacy that you want to leave behind?
1: You know i I hope you know my vision that i have for the world i i do not believe will be accomplished in my lifetime um and so the question is how will i know that i'm successful and the answer is if i've created enough momentum that other people will choose to carry it beyond me and so for me legacy is the standard you know if you look at second term presidents second term presidents tend to be better than first term presidents because they they're no longer thinking about their re-election which is selfish they're now thinking about their legacy, which, strangely enough, is more is more about what they'll be remembered for. In other words, what they did for others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not just what they did for themselves. Um, advice from old men and old women is always fantastic because they don't give a shit. Right. things think about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so it's the best advice. It's the best advice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So all of that is in the department. The question is, why, why do we have to wait until... We're old, or you know, in the twilight years, to start considering how we'll be remembered or what work will what work will survive us. Mm-hmm. If you can get working on that a little younger, you have more years and less panic. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants their last number in their bank account printed on their on their tombstone. You know, he gave, she loved, he cared. You know, she remembered. You know, like we want to be remembered for what we did for others. That's what we want on our tombstone. Yeah. So live that life.
0: And we all have things that we've heard over time that just kind of stuck with us and really kind of, I guess, if you will, forged us into the person that we are today. Someone say something to you over the years, man, that you remember that conversation like it was yesterday that really just kind of keeps you on point to this day?
1: I mean, I've been given a lot of good advice over the years, um, and I try and share it because... If it worked for me it might work for others there's one of my mentors a guy by the name of Ron Bruder is an amazing guy and he I, I got good at asking him for help and by the way trust is not built when we offer people help trust is built when we ask people for help hmm. and um, and Ron gave me some advice over the years that saved me a lot of money and that I would have made bad decisions and bad partnerships and so i wrote them down i called them the brooder principles and i put them on my blog i mean you can go read them it's just go to Simonsynic.com and type in brooder principles and they'll come up and we use those obsessively in my company like we will not go into a partnership we will not make a decision without running through the brooder principles ever and they have made all of our partnerships so much stronger and so much better they're really simple do you do a background check do your due diligence, even if it's just a Google check. If you're going to be working with somebody, like do a little background check, mm-hmm. right? Uh, did a background check on somebody, and I found out that they've gone through bankruptcy a couple times. Well, may not be a bad thing. I just want to know about it. I don't want to be able to ask them about it. Like, what happened? You yeah. know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that, man. What?
1: others?
0: Yeah, no, no, no. What I was saying is, um, so what? Uh, obviously, you've done quite a bit, and when people look at where you're at, they're going to go, "Geez, what, what else would this guy need to do?" I mean, he's done so much. So, what, what is next? I mean, what's still got you then really fired up? Anything, anything new on the horizon? Anything that uh, is something we need to look for in 2016?
1: Well, like I said, I, I've been out there preaching for the better half of a decade, right? Yeah. Preaching, 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 and I think there's knowledge and demand for the message that i have but now we have to help people uh who want it to build it you know and that's why i'm 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 i love my team and that's why we're focused now on building product and service and 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 all of those things so that that with those who need it or want it can have it that's the absolute focus for next mm-hmm. year
0: yeah that's awesome man well i uh i will ask one last time here if there are any other questions that folks want to uh to drop in and then otherwise we're gonna honor uh simon's time here and let him jump but uh actually uh that does have a question you mentioned a new book uh what can we look forward to what is it about
1: um i have a book coming out uh, the end of next year supposedly um <laughs> That is, uh, it's it's a departure for me. It's it's sort of quotes and aphorisms, yeah. but I'm taking a new take on it. Um, I, it's basically a, it's a it's um, well, I'll let you see. It's 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 designed like a children's book. I'm really excited about it, mm-hmm. and it's I realize that I write these books that you know they're they're intellectually sort of heady and you sort of they're thinking books, and yet there's lessons from these thinking books that that you don't need to go read a chapter about biology. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanted to share some of those lessons in bite-sized chunks to make them more actionable on a daily basis, because I know that it helped me and so I, I tend to share things that that work for me.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And then lastly, just so, as far as technology is concerned, you said this is your first uh, Blab, man. So really, uh, really uh, appreciate you, you you popping that with us here, man, on Reinvention Radio. So that's super cool. Hopefully you'll use, you know, this platform moving forward, man, or at least something similar. How uh, how do you feel then about sort of this convergence of, of technologies where everything is, is done in real time and you have the opportunity to connect with people in ways that you I mean, Because obviously with the TED talk and all, that's kind of a, you know, that's, that's really that pull, right? I mean, somebody sees it, they pull it in. But this is, uh, you know, really a convergence of multiple technologies here where it's more of a form on a consistent basis. What do you think about this sort of technology? Is this something that you could envision using? And do you, what's what's your take? And there was a question, what's your take about overexposure? Do you think social media is causing people to, to become just, shall we say, overexposed?
1: I mean, if you're gonna use social media, I think you have to have a reason why why are you using it. You know, I use the ones that I like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I like Instagram. I use Twitter, but I don't use the ones that yeah. I don't like. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's one, which is you actually have to enjoy it or have somebody who does enjoy it. Otherwise, everybody knows it's just marketing. Yeah. It's not authentic. Yeah. Um, you know, social media is great. Technology is great. It has its value, um, but I'm cautious that we don't um, we don't give it too much credit. It doesn't replace human beings, and it doesn't replace human interaction. You know, like I've actually gone to live events, and I said, "Well, you know, can we take questions?" I said, "Yes." We have people text their question, and then I read them to you. I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait!" I have a live audience <laughs> in front of me. Why are they text this question? Why they raise their hand? I can talk to a human being and see the face of the person who wants to know the question. Yeah. You know, so I'm a big proponent. You can't. You can't. You you, you know. You can't. You can't build trust digitally. You can't lead people through email. You know, uh, technology absolutely has its value in spreading messages, and it absolutely has its advantages to help us to connect to people far and wide. And this is amazing that I can connect with, you know, however many people are on here today, you know, um, quickly and instantaneously. But but at the same time, you know, none of us know Mm -hmm. each other. They can see my face. I can't even see theirs you know um i don't know anybody here and um and i wouldn't be able to form relationships with them unless i actually got to meet them and shake their hands and say thank you and thank you for being a mm-hmm. part of this you know uh, yeah yeah it's you know, human, human, human interaction is king. It's king. And everything else is just helping. Yep,
0: yep, I got you. Uh, question quickly here from Frank. Uh, what's the most important lesson you've learned from one of your business failures or mistakes?
1: Uh, I mean, it goes back to what I was just saying. Yeah. You can't do this stuff alone. Yeah. You know, the biggest mistake I made was thinking that I had to have all the answers, or if I didn't, I had to pretend that I mm-hmm. did. And the biggest lesson I learned was to ask for help and accept it when it was offered. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and no one can build a business by themselves. You're, you're a fool. If you think you can, and if you're doing okay by yourself. Um, and when I say build it, it doesn't mean you have to have a business partner. You have to have somebody who's in the background who believes in you and says, you can do this. You can do this. Cause there are absolutely days where you doubt yourself and you don't think you can, and you don't think you're smart enough and you don't think you have what it takes. And you need somebody who says this matters. Hmm. This matters. Yeah, um, and if you don't listen, it's uh, it's excruciating. Yeah,
0: it's, and on the personal front, a lot of people know you on the obviously on the business front. And your message when uh, when the spotlight's off, man, and you're doing your own thing. What uh, what what's in the iPod? What sort of things are you enjoying in the in the uh, personal time there?
1: I just bought three hundred dollars worth of Lego. There you go.
0: See, and uh, you'll be br- building the uh, the Burj Dubai and do the architectural sets and all that fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I got a Fat Slave One sitting on my table right there. It took two days. It's freaking awesome.
0: Nice man. And uh, um, <laughs>
1: I like building things. I like creating things. I take photographs. Um, I like. I like. I'm a tinkerer. I'm an artist. I like tinkering.
0: Yeah, and uh, and so when you're looking back on this interview, when you're looking back on the hundreds of interviews that uh, you know that people have done, you know, with you over the years, what's that one question, man, that somebody asked that you were just like, eh, man, that's just either the oddest or the best question I've ever heard.
1: Um,
0: There's got to be something that sticks out. You've got I mean, a the military. Of these. The, mili- the
1: military asks the military asks me the best questions always. Um, I had a Navy SEAL ask me, where does Revenge come from.
0: That is right? an That's interesting question. question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I had, I had uh, somebody in the intelligence services say, "How do we fight an enemy who's really good at everything?" I talk about.
0: Mm.
1: That's a good question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the military asks unbelievably good questions because they're always thinking about the service-minded. Uh, businesses tend to ask me the same question; uh, tend to be what they can get out of something. Um, it's not better yeah. or worse; they just tend to be more repetitive. But the questions yeah. that make me think are my favorite questions. The questions where I'm on yeah. the page and I'm like, I don't know. Those are the
0: best <laughs> <questions>. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just give Patrick an opportunity here. He asked, uh, you know, when people are talking about being viewed as the lighthouse, um, basically, how do they break out from the noise and become relevant? How, how does somebody stand apart?
1: That's not your decision. That's not your choice. That's the people who choose to follow you, right? So the best you can do is show up. And if your message is sincere and honest, then others will be, uh, will find it resonant and others will tell other people about it. So I get this question sometimes where people say, I want to be a public speaker. So go speak, go, go volunteer, go volunteer your church or your synagogue, like go go give a talk, go give a mm-hmm. talk in someone's living room go do something for free. You know, you're not gonna make tons of money and like be some, you know, make people walk on hot coals or something you know that's not how it's that's not how it goes. It's a process, and if yeah. you have a message to spread, tell your friends. That's how I started. I started a meeting with one person across a mm-hmm. table for a lunch, and then it became a small group of ten or fifteen people around someone's apartment that I would just do for free because my friends were like, "I want to share this with my friends," it, and it gains momentum. It's like a snowball. It's like how do I build a huge, huge snowball? You start with a really little one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a process. You know, how do I fall in love? Try going on one date first, Yeah, you know, um, it's like you got to start, but you got to start small. You can start anywhere you want, but you got to start. Mm-hmm. And, and and if the message resonates, other people will say, can you do that again? And that, that's when you start to, that's when the momentum starts to build. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: And I, I don't consider myself an expert. I talk about, by the way, I consider myself a student, So I'm mm-hmm. always showing up to improve and to learn. And that way, whenever I do something and I make a mistake or if something screws up or even if something goes well, I always wanna know what happens so that next time I can I can improve upon it because I don't think I'm all that. I think I'm a, a neophyte. I, I treat myself as a student in everything I do. I may be more an advanced student than some other people mm. you know, in some subjects, but I'm, I'm always showing up to learn and to give and to share and to improve in everything, even when I'm speaking, you know? I always yep. want to know what I could do better, what could I repeat, what worked, you know, what sucked, what sucked less. Um, <laughs> I think so if you show up as a student and you start small, it, it grows quite quite effectively, quite quickly.
0: Yeah, and uh, out of respect for your time, because there are a few more questions coming in, how, how long do we have you here, just so I can give a heads up to the audience if they still have any questions?
1: Uh, I'm 20 minutes late for my next interview.
0: Awesome. Good. So then we've got you for another hour. (laughs) Um, It's it's all good, man.
1: Respect to the other guy. I should probably-
0: yeah, no, all good, man. And uh, by the way, I will say that in all the blabs that I've ever seen and been a part of, uh, either as a host or as a co-host or as a, as an attendee, I have never seen the applause get to ten thousand as quickly as it has for you, man. So obviously, you've been putting out, uh, you know, tremendous wisdom and uh, and really do appreciate you spending some time here uh, with us on a on a very very special episode of Reinvention Radio with Simon Sinek of uh, Start with Why. A- any other last uh, comments? Anything else you want to leave folks with, Simon?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful to you and to your audience. Um, well, I, well aware am I that that this vision that I have for the world is just that it's delusion unless other people are willing to help me build it and and preach it and share it and 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 make it their own and build a company that that people want to come to work every day and feel cared for and feel safe and go home fulfilled. And so I consider it all all an army you know yeah um and we we all play different roles in this army but i i'm immensely grateful to you to helping me spread my idea immensely grateful to your audience to be open to these ideas um willing to embrace these ideas and willing to implement these ideas so I'm a humble servant to you and your audience. Thank you very, very much.
0: (laughs) Well, very, very kind of you, man. And we certainly appreciate the work that you've done. So, Simon, really, man, really do appreciate you joining us here on Reinvention Radio. And uh, we will talk to you really soon. Take care. Yeah, baby. So there you have it. Wow. What an episode with the man himself. Again, Jiminy, Mr. Simon Sinek. Pretty good stuff, if I may say so myself. And again, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this very, 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 very special episode of Reinvention Radio, The Mortar. Have you ever dreamed of escaping the corporate grind and becoming a full-time real estate investor? Well, Jonathan Twombly made the switch from miserable Wall Street lawyer to full-time real estate investment professional. If you'd like to find out how he did it, subscribe to The Mortar. That's themortarblog.com. And there... Jonathan shares all you'll need to know to learn real estate investing from the inside out, and it's all free. Just subscribe to The Mortar. That's themortarblog.com. The Mortar, it's what holds the bricks together. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you learned as much as I did from Mr. Simon Sinek, and we will talk to you in the very next episode of Reinvention Radio. I'm Steve Olsher, and don't forget to grab a free copy of my New York Times bestseller, What is Your What? Discover the One of... Amazing thing you were born to do at whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free. And don't forget, if you have a comment... Some feedback, a suggestion for a guest, or whatever it might be. If you just want to say hi, give us a call on the hotline at one 844 mister one That's 1-844-MR-B-O-L-D-1. And we will address that question, comment, or suggestion just as soon as we possibly can. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Stitcher. Check us out at reinventionradio.com. And we'll talk to you really soon.
1: You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show
0: and...